for me, I think it's that they don't understand the value of the brand. You know, they're focused Mm -hmm. on the code, the product itself, and they don't realize that the, they go, they're interconnected, they go hand in hand. And we, we need to make sure that in our positioning and in how we present the product and the problems we choose to solve and how we choose to solve them, all of those impact the brand. And I think um, too many product people don't think about that. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here for another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Uh, What a great panel we have here this week to talk about my head being very skinny. Brand and product. (laughs) Uh, Technical difficulties. I'll get off. Uh, I will go to the full screen for that. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about brand and product technical difficulties. Uh, We started this week. Uh, with the question, where and how do product and brand overlap? And we're going to talk about this today with our panel, Jason Vincelet, Glenn Pride, Paul Hurwitz, Ryan Weber, Calvin Marshall, May Wong, and of course, my partner, Steve Johnson. Jason, it's good to have you back. And it's exciting that you were back and you were the first answer again. So you said a good deal of this would definitely be on the UX, of course, but at a higher level brand should be considered when helping prioritize feature and enhancements. Talk to me about that. Uh, I think this has to do with, you know, what the company, what the organization's brand wants to represent, um, you know, what they represent now, but what they want to be. So I think you have to think about what what do you want your brand to, yeah, what do you want your brand to represent over one year time, two year time, and and so on. And then product can help um, make sure they maintain uh, brand integrity as they put together a prioritization for, um, you know, features, enhancements, and, and products that they want to build. Uh, so instead of going off brand, right? So that's the challenge. You can actually do things that are against your brand. So is brand a ethos? Is brand a logo in buzzwords is brand the strategy i think it's a hopefully it's a combination of those things but a lot of times it's considered just like you said buzzwords um but i think it's you know i always in my current organization it's what our aspiration is and what we want the world to see us as um and so it should be never you should never be satisfied with that it should not be a, a, a current state it should be something aspirational and products should, um, like everybody else in the organization, products should also try to achieve um, what they're doing to, towards that aspiration. Okay. So it's an aspirational. Is it not, is it our perception or is it their perception? And sorry, I'm, I'm like grilling Jason on this. Yeah, I know the philosophy of brand, which um, to a bunch of product managers is interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I always saw it as, you know, it, you can have your own insight into what you feel your brand is, but ultimately it's what your, um, the market 
you know, perceives you, that is your brand. Um, I always thought that was an interesting concept to try to discuss with former um, C-level, say, I know you think this is what we are, but this is not what our market says we are. And you have to do the due diligence to, under, to get the market's perception of us. That's our brand. And we, I've actually engaged third-party firms to do that kind of 360 review where they do a bipartisan kind of analysis to see what, how the market is viewing us as an organization versus us trying to do it because then you have this kind of internal bias um, when you're translating those kind of thoughts. Um, and I thought we, we all thought that was very eye-opening because it wasn't in line with how we were seeing ourselves. Um, but as, as long as how the market is seeing us is how we wanna be seen, then we're more on point with our brand. But if that's not the case, then we need to evaluate what our brand wants to be and how we influence the markets to see this that way, if it's possible. Wow, this is getting deep. Actually, Chad McAllister said something similar. Uh, he said the brand takes shape in the mind of the customer. So, you know, we have, may have ideas of what we want our brand to be, but it's their perceptions of us that that matter. Glenn came in second. Glenn, you said my answer would be everywhere. So, brand and product uh, overlap on everything. Is brand product? Is product brand? Um. I think ultimately that would be the perfect alignment, um, especially in this time where, where people are talking about authenticity um, and, you know, does it really, you know, how well your product experience. I, I thought that was great about uh, what Jason said, that, the, that when you realize what people perceive your brand as versus what you think you've constructed for yourself are sometimes different. I think that's awesome. I um I once did a a, uh, a a camp where I invited a brand person in and to sit in front of a bunch of product managers, and boy did I catch a lot of hell. And I'm like I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't reconcile like why there was such a dissonance, or why this was like, you know, maybe it was the speaker I don't know, but. Um, there should be brand discussions at all levels, like mm. even at the feature level, I mean, of, of a software product, like, is this really going to align with, you know, what we're trying to accomplish with the, the brand? And even the, even the person who sits in like the, the person who sits um, in the front office is part of the brand. Her, a lot of times they are the first interaction that someone may have that's got to be on spot as well. Yep. So if you go back to our, what is a product episode? Uh, one of the portions that I said is the product is the whole experience the customer has from the first engagement sales lead call, whatever, all the way through the sales process, through the use of the product and, mm -hmm. and support. And if that's the case, the product is the brand, right? The brand is the product. Uh, yep. Glenn, there was a uh, branding. People I'll get are the you brand a, too. I'll get to I'll get to you in a second, Steve. I saw I saw your hands go up. Glenn, there was a branding agency work we worked with back in the day when we worked together that did a lot of stuff. And I sat down with one of the leads, and I walked them through the product management process, and they walked me through the branding process. And they said, "What? You go talk to customers to understand what their needs are, what they value." And then you craft a message that helps. I, I, I'm like, isn't that product management? 
it was the same thing. And it was enlightening to me, which is sort of where this question came from. Steve, you wanted to make a comment. Yeah, it was funny. I, I made a note about customer experience about exactly the time you said it. Uh, but, you know, I think that <clears throat> I, I think that product is the design and development of a customer experience and brand is the result of that design. That, which is, but, but which is the chicken and which is the egg? Yeah, good point. That, that, wait, that, wait, that, wait. That's, can, that's can what I'm thinking brand, about all of this. Can you have a brand without a product? I don't think so. Hey, you're not. You're nodding like you think you can have a brand without a product. How would you have a brand if it doesn't have a product tied to it? Just like the fire festival. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that but was the just festival a is, but the festival is the product. Yeah, the festival. It never happened. It never really manifested. But it was a like... bad product. <laughs> it was a flawed product. It was a failed product. But you couldn't have put the the brand it was highly was successful to... <laughs> before it was a real thing. You you can have a brand with like wireframes. You can have a brand with promises. You can have a brand with an ETF or a NFT. Like, you know, those things yeah. aren't real. Okay. There you go. There's an interesting point there, Jason. You, you look at Theranos. So you can make a whole bunch of promises and get people to think you have, but they're thinking you have a product. The brand is based on the, the problem you're solving for them and the value prop they think they're going to get from that. So you've, you've, that's an MVP of a product, right? No, uh, Schrodinger's cat of a product is what that is. I mean, just having thoughts of a product and promises of a product, does a product make? I would argue that an MVP is whatever you can get to validate that you're solving the right problem with the right value proposition. And if the brand can do that, then it's a execution issue, right? You're not, you're not even solving the problem. You're promising to solve the problem which is different right in a way it's kind of like what consulting firms sell but sometimes like <laughs> most <laughs> sorry other consultants i realize i'm talking to consultants so yeah. i i apologize yeah i don't know you know i'm gonna i need to think a little so i'm gonna go to a couple of the other answers i thought it was an interesting one john steiner uh said in both messaging and roadmap that's where they overlap Right. And, you know, I could see those being key pieces. Brian Weber, the product supports the brand. The product should support the brand wherever possible. And you've actually got a couple other things where you respond to people. I'd love to get your take on this. I think they are completely interconnected. Um, and I think part of it is you have to define success. So, May, in your example, it was successful. All right. I don't know this story, but was it successful for a week, a month? I wouldn't call that successful. It was a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think having a strong product, having a product defines your brand. So you have a company that starts with a product. By default, that is your brand. You may add other products into that that influence that brand, but that initial product created your brand. Um, and then in that chicken egg thing, you're saying that the brand, the product comes before the brand. I, yes, I would say, at least in most cases, I was trying to think of a, when you asked that, is there a case where you would have a brand first followed by a product and then the conversation about 
is a promise a brand well that's what that's what a lot of branding people say a brand is is it's a promise yeah i would argue that the brand is the promise you make and the product is the promise you keep i think that is initially but once you have the products out there what the market thinks of your products is your brand mm -hmm. you may want to try to influence it yeah. but yeah. the market really owns what your brand is yeah actually it's interesting uh, uh uh christian Zhivago wrote a book on something anyway she's a longtime marketing technology consultant uh um and speaker and she said branding is the promise you make and your brand results from the promises you keep which i think ties in brian to what you were saying and to me you know it's ultimately the products that are the Prom promises that you keep. Um, and, and furthermore, I, I think of brand as kind of like a filter. Should we build a low-end product? And you're like, well, no, because we're a high-end enterprise vendor. Or, you know, should we build, uh, sh should, sh well, I think this violates everything I'm getting ready to say. Should Walmart Walmart sell Rolexes. You know, the correct answer is no, although I believe they actually do, which, you know, disturbs me um, and should disturb Rolex. Um, but I, I, I'm sorry, real quick story and then I'll, I'll stop. Back in the days of Netbooks. They're never quick stories, Steve. <laughs> back in the days of Netbooks, all of the analysts were hammering Apple to build a netbook because everybody has a netbook. And Apple said, you know what? That doesn't align with our brand. Netbooks suck in every way. You know, you just take a regular laptop and then take all the parts of it that aren't good and remove uh, and leave those and remove all the good stuff. And then you have a netbook. And so they built the iPad, which nobody had asked for. And in, you know, three minutes, the netbook, whole, uh, the netbook market disappeared. Uh, yeah. And I think they, they look at everything through the lens of, is this an Apple product? You know, is it premium? Is it high quality? Is it, can, do we charge a lot for it? And whereas in the world of Windows, it's like it's a race to the bottom. You know, there's always somebody who will build a cheaper and crummier Windows machine. And those are people that Apple doesn't want. Yeah, it was so back to, I think Jason had said, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's something that helps you prioritize what you do do. It helps you prioritize your features. Mm -hmm. Nils Davis said, my feeling about brand has always been that great brand is preceded by great product or products. It's clearly not possible. It, it's clearly not possible to build a brand without a product. Even for the celebrities, their brand is based on the ability to, to depict themselves as worthy of paying attention to. Paul, you agreed with him. I'd love to get your, your take uh, on that. If you look at, most big brands that are out there, they started out with a single product. Mm -hmm. And as that product became successful and was, uh, was making a name for that company in the marketplace, it then became the company's brand that they then built or the company developed a brand that they then introduced Robert. more products to support that brand. But I, I, I'm hard, hard pressed to come up with a big brand that didn't start with a single product. 
Mm -hmm. So in many cases, the brand will, the brand should become much bigger than any one product that a company offers, mm -hmm. but they start out with a single, a single product that made their name. Yeah. Nikes with shoes and then other kinds of shoes and then other kinds of shoes and then sporting apparel. I mean, yeah. Gillette, Gillette was known as a razor company. And then what was the other thing that they tried to introduce? Cassette I can't remember. Tapes. That was, huh? Cassette tapes. Right. That was not at all successful because it wasn't in their brand. Mm -hmm. it was that in one of the answers? Somebody put that in. I think it was. And I, I think, think so. that's why I'm thinking of it. But but that's kind of why it didn't fit with what their brand was. And you can have a, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a, a good brand that doesn't have a good product, but you can have a good product, you know, with, you know, a brand that's, that's substandard, but to have a, a, a strong brand and have a, a, a crappy set. Well, I, I, the, the place I went to, I, I know where you're going, or I think I know where you're going with that, Calvin. I, I was thinking about uh, crossing the chasm and they talked about Oracle was not the best database product. Mm -hmm. They just did the best job branding and selling it, right? Mm -hmm. Positioning it. So sometimes, and I, somebody had put it in one of the, I think may, it, may, it may have been May in the poll thing. So we would get to that for the case. Somebody put, you know, you can have a great product with a bad brand that doesn't sell well. And, you know, I want to challenge that. I don't know that Oracle's database was the best database, but Oracle's product was probably the best product because they wrapped it in oh, uh, professional services. You're, you're actually going back to my whole, it's the whole experience from the sales process to, yeah. God dang it. I hate it when you pull me on me. <laughs> in, in many cases, the brand is as big as the company. But, in, but also in many cases, the company is bigger than the brand. If you look at pharmaceutical companies, their brands are the individual drugs that they bring to market, mm -hmm. which people may know, they see the commercials on TV, they know the brands of some of those drugs, but they would be hard pressed to name who the company is that makes it. You look at like Unilever, which has tons and tons of brands out there that few people actually would know, oh, that that actually came from Unilever, but it's Ben and Jerry's or it's, uh, or it's some other food product on the shelf. They think of that single item as the brand. Well, I, and somebody, and I'm trying to find where it is. Somebody put, you know, there's a difference between branding a product versus branding a company, right? And, this, and often, and I think it's changing now some, but when I taught B2B marketing, Right. The idea was in B2B, you brand the company and you get the halo effect of the brand of the company for your products, IBM, SAP, right? Where in B2C, you brand the product. You know, who, what does Unilever make? What does Procter & Gamble make? Right. What does BSF make outside of making things that make the things we buy better? Right. And, you know, there's always been this. The only brand of the company in the, in the B2Cs when they were trying to do, you know, get stock price up because <laughs> people didn't know what they did. And, you know, this is a place I, you know, wanted to have this conversation. Maybe we just have it right now. I, I don't think it's one of my further questions. Product management was born from brand management. It was brand. So brand management was a B2C thing where it was the brand manager was managing the product. 
in that realm is tied the product the same as tied the brand. I want to say it depends, mate. Talk to me about that. It depends on whether or not they have product management, right? Like, for example, um, if you go look at like job postings like Coca Cola, they'll the, they always have job postings for brand managers, but they don't have product managers, right? So, have they have they made the transition between brand and product? Like, do they differentiate them? Like if your product is the brand, then perhaps there is no differentiation, but. Well, it's um, interesting because there's a, there is a company that Coca-Cola is the company and one of their products, right? They've got many products. And so when you think of Coca-Cola, the brand or Pepsi-Cola, the brand, which is also a company, I guess the company for Pepsi is now officially Pepsi Frito-Lay group or something like that. I, I don't know. That's an interesting way to think about it, May. You always make me think. Calvin, thank so you for saving if, me. <laughs> you, so I wonder if with, with um, consumer packaged goods, you know, the products are so, um, they're, they're easily substitutable. You know, you go in a restaurant, we don't offer Coke, we offer Pepsi products. So it's, I mean, you don't leave the restaurant, you just say, all right, give me a Pepsi or I'll take a, something else. So I wonder if in consumer packaged goods, uh, offerings, <laughs> the, the, the brand is more important than the products itself because there's, the product is highly switchable. Ah, so in, when, when you're going to a more of a mass market, the brand becomes more important because it's, but yeah, yeah, I could. To, to many I mean, people, you, not necessarily to everybody. Some people will say, I, I can't drink Pepsi. Some people will, but will you say, Oh, I, you know what? I don't like Heinz ketchup. I really like Hunts. I'm leaving. Well, wait, somebody prefers Hunts over Heinz? I'm sorry. I... Somebody out there does. Steve, when you go into a restaurant that says, oh, sorry, we have Pepsi products, not Coke products. Do you change from a soda? Uh, yeah, then I order iced tea. Wow. You can have real Coke or not Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that I think that there is something to the brand loyalty, right? I don't know about Steve. I'm assuming it's the case. My aunt was a lifetime GE person. Every single appliance we bought growing up, every single thing we bought that GE made, we bought GE because we had the loyalty to that. Uh, so there are parts of brand, but that to me that just gets into persona and market segmentation, understanding what people value, and it's not, and it's still product in that situation. Ah. God, we could probably go on and have this conversation for a while. Probably, yeah. I was going, I was going to chime in, but if you want to switch on something else, Calvin, you can always chime in. And I want to get. I'll, I'll send anybody else who on this question. Again, that question is where and how do product and brand overlap? We do have follow up questions. Uh, if anybody has fun, one final comment on this one in this debate we've been having, uh, I'll start with Calvin, and then we'll move to the poll after that. You know, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to hold mine because I would kind of go back down to that consumer, the uh, consumer packaged goods and the uh, the branding versus. That, that actually, I think that is a topic we should bring up because I, I've been seeing a lot of people asking for more B2B or, or B2C. Maybe we have a how uh, another week where the topic of the week is what are the differences between B2B and B2C product management? I think that would be a fun one. I'll put that in my notes. Uh, all right, if there's no last comments, I need to 
get there and do this because I can't fix my screen. Uh, our poll on Wednesday, can products and brands be successful on their own? And you know what? I always rule, I curse myself when I put it depends as an answer that gets the most votes because that means that we're just going to talk more about the poll. And it depends one, 54% of the people said it depends. 36% like myself said product and brands are completely interconnected. 9% said a product can be successful without a strong brand. 0% said a brand can be successful without a strong product. Mei Wong, you said you can have a great product that no one's ever heard of and enough people buy it to keep the lights on, but you might, might not be successful. So was that a supporting product can be successful without a strong brand or was that a, it depends? It depends because like the follow-up was you can have a strong brand with terrible products. And Fire Festival is your example for that? Uh, no, it was a certain very popular brand of headphones. You, you said you're not willing. I guess we don't want to get anybody upset with us. Right. Uh, so uh, I, I can, I've already got, I've got three or four in my head, but I'm not going to go there. So you think that it's, you know, any of those broad product can be successful without brand brand can be successful without a strong product. Mm -hmm. Uh I think someone before me said like an all of the above option would be great. Um, that was Paul, that, that was Paul Hatala. Yeah, he said all of the above. In my sales days, I offered strong products and relationships to, despite branding that was vague or even contradictory. On the flip side, organizations such as Harley Davidson survived for years on strongly branded and dubious products. It, to me, this go, just goes back to understanding your target market segment and persona, and giving them so for a headphone company who has strong brand with poor quality they have customers who care more about brand than they do audio they're not audiophile so they don't go to the audiophile so i could argue that might be strong product management because you've identified the buyers who will buy based on the value proposition you give them or you just invest all your money in marketing yeah <laughs> I, I, and actually for, for I mean, i'm sure we've all been there where marketing has a great budget. I, I wish Paul, I wish Paul Hotel were on the call because I wanted I would want to ask him, you know, and I'll ask this group. He said that when he was in sales, he would he had a product that was strong but with a bad brand. And so he made up for it. Does he actually impact the brand because he actually creates a brand that his customers view as stronger? Mm -hmm. So can a salesperson actually do that job as a brand evangelist in and, and make that happen. Steve, what do you think? Well, I, I think what happened there is that the salesperson became the brand. Ah. That the salesperson said, you want to shop with me. I currently carry this product from terrible vendor number one, but in three years, I'm going to come to my sentence and go work for a not terrible vendor number two. And I want you to keep reaching out to me. You keep the Rolodex. So the Rolodex. Who is very much that. He's been in... 10 companies in 30 years and he keeps his he's using this he has the same customers for 30 years uh, uh, generals at the pentagon call him for advice they don't call the company yeah. they call my friend i i, I like that so I, I, I his own brand which of course is kind of a terrible thing for marketing and branding people 
yeah. if the salespeople are creating their own brands instead of leveraging the company's brand. Well, look at somebody like Guy Kawasaki, Apple's developer uh, community is only as strong as it is today because of him. He was building the Apple brand among the developers. And once it, the community got strong enough, it started to sustain itself. But he really saved that brand in that community. Mm -hmm. Good point. But he was doing it in service to the brand. It just... And he created his own brand at the same time. So right, it's interesting. Very that, that's, much sort so. Of, that's sort of a both. Jason, how did you vote? You've been quiet. Uh, yeah, I voted for products and brands are completely interconnected. Boy, you are so right, aren't you? I, <laughs> I that's how I voted. I, and I think you know, it depends. Brought a lot of things out, but maybe that's an aspirational, Jason. That when we do it right, the product and the brand are. Uh, yeah, and I think it's a little tricky to say, you know, define what product success is. Like, you can have a great product that nobody buys or uses. Is that a successful product? No, it's not. So you can have a great brand that has no products, but how's that, how long is that going to last? And if your brand starts to have poor products, does your brand take a hit? And and where does that lag? So so a great brand without a at least very good product can't survive as a great brand and a great product without at least a good or very good brand might have a hard time with that I, that still case me back maybe your your headphone company but maybe it's that they they realize that it's a people want to be seen wearing their stuff and that's the problem they're solving not the sound yeah. right well, it's, now it's, it's a job fashion. done now it's yeah. a fashion product it's very much a fashion product. Yeah. yeah. So there's 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 different problem there's different problems to solve, jobs to be done, and the and maybe we don't we look at them and say that headphone company you're talking about does not compete with Sure or Audio Technica because those are more the audio files they're going for. They're two totally different segments that don't compete, even though they're that. I once told I told my story about the pizza places next door, the local guy and the Domino's for ten years. They sell two, so the same thing, pizza, but to two different markets that nobody crosses over. I think that's at least where I would go with the headset on that. Calvin, where'd you vote? I said a brand can be successful without a, without a strong product. I mean, I think that- Oh, did you vote I, after I pulled the shot? Yes, I did. Oh, Calvin. Sorry. You voted two minutes ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> when I started probably, this question. It's probably a minute before I got on. I'm like, oh crap, I forgot. <laughs> Um, in all honesty, and I, you know, I thought of, you know, I, I could could have gone with depends, but I, I mean, I thought about not depends the product, but it depends. It depends. Yes, okay. not depends the product. <laughs> it depends. Um, and I use would use the example of Comcast. I mean, it's not. A, it's, it's for you know down here in South Florida, you have Comcast as cable, or you have something else, or you have to go. But that that's. I mean, now we're getting into utilities or uh, monopolistic environments. But Comcast, I don't think their brand is a good brand. Nobody likes Comcast. Um, yeah, and the, pro the product isn't strong, but it's the only option. So, okay. I mean, I, that's kind of where my mind went on that. And is in that, um, you know, defining, you know, going to, to what Jason said about what what defines success of a of a, of a brand. 
you know, could be that you know brand is useful in a in a mon monopolistic type of way, such that I mean the the product isn't great, but it's the only option you have. And yeah. so when you think about okay. X, that's where you go. Okay. Like, even up in Canada, we know what Comcast is. And how bad their customer service. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I want to I get to everybody, but I wanted to read Karen Bell DeWitt answered. It depends on what the goal is and how success is subsequently defined. Financial, fame, longevity, power, quality. <laughs> now, Karen just earned a special place in my heart. Think about Dexy's Midnight Runners and Come On Eileen. Why? <laughs> success, yes, but what kind? Before you answer, you need to be able to hum a few bars of three of their songs. <laughs> we only know one song from Dex's Midnight Runner, right? That's it. One hit wonder. Is that a, is the brand the song or is the brand the band? And actually, I'll, Dex's Midnight Runner, most of them became a group called uh, Black 47, which actually has a really good, a lot of really good Scottish type, you know, Celtic music. But uh, that's because I know. Uh, but I couldn't sing any of their songs either. So it was an interesting take at, you know, the, the, long, the longevity of the brand and that type of stuff. Glenn Pride, some brands eclipse an industry. Talk to me about, what did you vote for? And were you, it depends and tell me your story. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting um, how brands, even outside of the product, um, so I grew up near Southern, uh, I grew up in Southern Indiana and you called everything Coke, regardless of what it was. Xerox, was Coke. Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all those things were called Coke. Exactly. Everything, every product was called Coke. No, just soda products. But yeah, um, yeah it, can you imagine the chagrin of like walking in on a restaurant and like, trying to sell to like someone who calls your product Coke, just cause that's colloquially what it's called. It's just, and that goes, you know, directly to the whole marketing aspects of it. I'm not even sure it even reflects the quality of the product. It just, that's what was, that's how it was said. And I know that's not probably the most germane discussion in this thread, but that was like a, a visceral reaction I had to the, to the thing. I'm like, wow, there's some brands out there that are just like, they just kind of eclipse everything. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, they, uh, they become verbs. They become yeah. common Zero. nouns. Yep. Yeah. Google. Yeah, Google. Yeah. Brian, you said you'd have to agree with Karen. It depends on how success is defined. When answering, I define success as the product or brand would be around for a long time. What, what should you voted for? Uh, interconnected. God, you're a smart guy. Uh, talk to me more. Uh, just, you know, I added on to that a little bit, you know, if you have just a product without a brand, the product becomes the brand. Hence you have both of them. Um, yeah. if you have a brand with weak products, eventually the brand will go disappear. out of, yeah, it's going to disappear. It may take years or decades, but if your products aren't supporting the brand, you you will go out of business. Well, I, actually, then Walmart will buy the brand and make their private label stuff the brand that some people know from a long time ago, which is actually a lot of what they do. Polaroid. Yeah. So, Paul, you didn't vote. You didn't comment. I'm a little. So like, I voted. I voted, but I didn't. OK. Comment. What did you vote? I voted the, the interconnected oh, God, uh, you're smart. option. 
<laughs> and it, going back to what I said before, that in my in what I think is that brands don't start to exist until a great product exists, and mm-hmm. then the brand will you as the as the brand or the company gets more products, the the brand sort of shines over all of the products in the company. But like Brian was just saying, once if the products go bad, the brand's going to go away. Or like you said, get bought out by Walmart or some other foreign company that uses the name. But but basically, I think they are interconnected. If the brand is bad, if the if the brand does something really bad, say in the, in the news or whatever, then it can go back to the last product. week and, and the ethics, right? It can certainly hurt the product. And if the product is bad, it'll hurt the brand. Look, look at Uber and Lyft, right? Uh, I think we definitely saw that there. Steve, I know you didn't vote, but what would you have voted for? Um, I'll join you in interconnected. God, you're smart. You seem to take such joy out of people agreeing with you on this point. So I thought I would talk. I've learned that from somebody. (laughs) Can I go back to the idea of um, a product without a brand, right? So if you don't have a brand that like defines the product, your product defines the brand. But like, especially in the world of B2B where you have fewer people representing your brand and it's not like mass consumer facing um then each of your salespeople might like take a different spin on your brand and you'd have several brands that represent your business and in a way like it makes a weak brand versus a strong brand Mm -hmm. so i think like what, what the role of product marketing specifically is is to like create that messaging that unites it and like brings the different various flavors of brands together and um creates that stronger brand but um if you don't have that like you might have several brands but it's still but they're like, not, not good a brands brand. and you're they're probably not, not and you probably don't have the success I mean, of they're a good not product. they're not a weak brand they might not be a weak brand like they, they might have individual strong brand variations but like it's not scalable right so, so if you're thinking about how you want to scale um, you probably need that united brand. So if yeah, you want I, a scalable product, you want a united brand. So you want, if you want a successful product, you need the interconnected. So you're agreeing with me too. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the word successful was not a criteria. It was not. Can they be successful on their own was the question. It always gets down to semantics. What I was going to say, May, was Steve always tells people that the number one thing we've learned in win-loss is that we have a sales enablement issue, right? And if three, if different salespeople are establishing different micro brands, that's a sales enablement issue. Uh, and we're not doing our job. And, that, and because of that, we can't scale. I, I would actually totally agree with that. With that said, we're going to move. Did everybody get their take on that one? I think I talked to everybody. Yes, I did. Yeah, but I have, a, I have an issue to raise real quick. Sorry, I'm, I'm jumping in. Um, so my current organization, so this hasn't really been discussed, but it's interesting. What if your product becomes your brand and both are strong? How do you introduce new products that may, that may not be so specifically tied to the brand? Portfolio. So, Create a new brand. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's product level branding versus corporate level branding. Yeah. 
kind of like my I, in one of the replies, I put the example of Stanley Black and Decker. Uh, they got Dewalt, they got Craftsman, Porter Cable. Mm -hmm. You know those brands. You don't know the Stanley Black and Decker at the company level. Goes back to the B two C versus B two B. Yeah. Uh, and at B two B in your company's B two B, you mm -hmm. tend to want to make it the corporate the brand, and that was like at least the old, you know, intuition of what you should do. Uh, but if you've got a strong brand and the new product is related to and you know has some dovetail with it you use that strong brand and you make it a portfolio. You go from Microsoft Word and Microsoft PowerPoint, Microsoft Excel to Microsoft Office and you bring them all together under- Yeah, and that, that works well when it's- Unified the same, architecture. And that works well when it's the same target personas, but you start moving your target personas <clears> and that change, that, that just adds a little, another layer of trickiness. If you've got different personas with different value profiles, then you know if they don't, if that new segment doesn't, have perceptions of, or if you don't bring any legacy, uh, then yeah, you, you, then that's a decision you make, right? You have to look at this and say, should I, and then and that's what a lot of agencies get paid for to make those decisions. You know, do we, is this part of the, the, the Febreze line of stuff or do we create something new? Uh, I think that we need to need to do that. Actually, I, I think that's a good uh, spin. How should product management think about brand? You started, you, you actually launched with your question, the way we should start thinking about it. So we, we start thinking about brand as in portfolio. You know, what should we, as product managers, what should we be? How should we be thinking about brand? Guiding principle. So it's, it's the guiding principle for the ethos that we're trying to deliver on. Yep. You build it, products that meet that fall within those principles. God dang it. So when you're building a new product, should you have an aspirational ethos? Well, that's that guy in principle. Yeah, it's called your product vision. And part of that gets inherited from the brand in my opinion. So wait, Paul, now we're back to the brand is before the product. Well, I think the brand is before the second product. Agreed. If you're doing a new product and you have a aspirational vision or ethos for what the brand should be or what you want it to be, is that hypothesis or aspiration the brand before the product? Usually, we be pe usually people will have an aspirational vision of what they want a product to be. And then that aspirational vision expands once they've delivered that product and they have more adjacent products that they want to deliver to fulfill an expanded version of that vision. Okay. And there's some level of corporate brand and differentiation that you can leverage in doing that. But if it's net net new, you're probably starting from a vision of an aspiration or something like that. May. What if you have a weak brand? You have, you're starting off with a weak brand um, and you're launching a new product. And do oh, you, or, or if you're starting off a weak brand and you have a set of products and you have a fairly strong product team or growing a very strong product team, um, do you take over the branding? Well, <laughs> how, do you, how do you navigate the, well, the relationship with marketing? 
Yeah, and I would ask you, May, what is a weak brand? Is that brand recognition or the brand doesn't have a defined like guiding principles, like differentiation, yeah, all of the above. differentiation or, you know, because brand all recognition could just be a problem with getting the word out, right? All of the but above. You've got a strong brand. Well, you're yeah. already jumping ahead to the lightning round question, May. So I'm, I'm going to stop that conversation because we'll talk about it then. Brian, what do you think? How should product management think about brand? I think it's the guiding principle. When I'm looking at building a product, adding a feature, does it fall within the brand guidelines, either mm -hmm. aspirational or current branding? If not, make the decision, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't create this product. I shouldn't add this feature. Or should we create a, a new another brand? brand? Yeah. I, I like that. Glenn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, it's, nothing's coming to me. Sorry. All right. Calvin. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with what, what uh, Brian said. And I, I think that there becomes an opportunity for, you know, if there's a product extension, then there becomes a, kind of a, an opportunity for expanding the, the brand to cover the, you know, this new direction or this new expansion. All right. Steve, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I think I, <clears throat> I may have told this story actually recently, but um, I'm told at least, I don't know if this is uh, totally true. It may be folklore, but nonetheless, I'm told when Mitsubishi came to America with televisions, they created a new brand of MCA and it did not stand for anything. It wasn't, you know, Mitsubishi Corporation of America, although some, some of the sales guys reverse engineered that. But the successful product in America at the time was RCA televisions. And, you know, being Mitsubishi, they like the letter M. So they just went MCA and introduced TVs in this country for two reasons. One is they, at the time, I think they wanted to separate themselves a little bit from uh, the Japanese origin of Mitsubishi because people were still remembering World War II. But mostly they wanted to introduce a brand that they could throw away if things didn't work out without <laughs> injuring the Mitsubishi brand. And then when they did achieve success, they, uh, they did discontinue the MCA brand and then brought in uh, and, and replaced it with Mitsubishi. Hmm. Sort of Nissan Datsun. Yeah. Huh, interesting. I did not know that. And, but it gave them a chance to do some testing without ruining uh, impacting the corporate brand and then do the dots on by Nissan, Nissan switch. So, you know, in, in agreeing here with, with, with Ryan, then, you know, when we bring a product has to align with our authority and our purpose, or we shouldn't do it. It's it, it, it's it's not a guiding principle, right? In, in Mitsubishi's yeah. case, they were looking, you know, decades long. Uh, yeah. But in the case of you know Apple and Netbooks, they're like, this does not align with the high quality image that we have. Building yeah. bad Macintosh is not an alignment with our core principles. So we're gonna do something novel and and unconventional which of course is a little bit of, of their brand as well yeah and 
in defiance of all the salespeople and all the analysts. Interesting. Well, guiding principle. Guiding principle. Back to aspire. I, I like that. Uh, <clears throat> what is the biggest misunderstanding product people have about brand? It's just marketing. Ah, it's just marketing. Yeah. It's just a logo. It's just a logo. I, I definitely think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings that executives have about brand uh, is that it's just a logo. Yeah. You know, they, I've worked with a lot of private equity portfolio companies and it seemed like one of the playbook is, okay, let's bring the branding agency in. And they change the name of the company and get it a, or get it a new logo, normally both. I'm like, but that doesn't impact the product, <laughs> you know? But they're all they're doing is it's it's almost financial engineering trying to to you know choose the, the valuation of it. Calvin, biggest misunderstanding. I was going to say exactly what May said. Um, with of course you were. One word, adding one word, fluff. Oh, fluff. marketing fluff. Fluff. That was yes, but I was thinking exactly what May was thinking. Jason. Well, I mean May's is probably more dead on, but the other thing that could be a misinterpretation is again, the, what you think is what internally the corporate, the company thinks is the brand. It could be the biggest mistake that product management is making, especially if they're not market driven. I, I, for me, I think it's that they don't understand the value of the brand. You know, they're focused mm -hmm. on the code, the product itself, and they don't realize that the, they go, they're interconnected, they go hand in hand. And we, we need to make sure that in our positioning and, and how we present the product and the problems we choose to solve and how we choose to solve them, all of those impact the brand. And I think um, too many product people don't think about that. Yeah, um, but there are so many fluff examples to choose from. So Marissa Mayer comes back to Yahoo spends a gazillion dollars choosing between 27 different colors of purple and announces that now there is or is not going to be an exclamation point in Yahoo. And everybody's like, whoa, look at this incredible branding. And you're like, well, that's just a logo. And to me, a, a complete squandering of money. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Any, any other, Paul, any, any other misunderstandings? I'm just jumping on the May bandwagon. <laughs> May's going to take my job soon at the way at, at this rate. Everybody <laughs> loves May. Everybody. Well, I, yeah. I, everybody. No, that's okay. I'd like to finish that. Everybody does love me. Um, but also <laughs> uh, now I can take credit for that. Um, but can brand inspire new product development? You know. So Actually, I like that as a as a misunderstanding is that brand can inspire, right? It can help us think outside the box. <clears throat> May's got her love. Wait, this is a little saying, Jason May love fact. Are you saying that's a misconception, or are you saying no? That's I kind of I didn't say that was a misconception. I was just thinking, can brand if, if product management understood understood brand better, can that inspire what to do next to even reinforce that brand versus prior just prioritization yeah i completely agree i think it's a way to help people think outside the box and i think you'll see there are brands out there whose products are like 
wait, that doesn't make sense. But if you bring them together, you can see how they all, you know, there's a, there's an ethos to it that, that connects them. And that's sort of what they do and how they do it. Uh, let's get to our lightning round. What is the best way for product management to impact brand? We're going to start with Glenn. Bring it into the discussion. <laughs> the best way to in impact all it forms is or in all forms or way. It never gets discussed mm, in, in the areas that I just bring it in as a discussion point. Like, is this really something honestly we should be investing in? Because this kind of it's falling outside the brand norm. So that's okay, but it's going to, you know, let's talk about the ramifications of this. And I, I want to give kudos to Jason to that whole beating home the fact that it is customer perception. You could engineer the best brand you want, but it still goes back to the customer's perception of what that brand is. Um, I find that just. Wait, wait, now you've got two seminal. answers. I know. But I'm just saying, and Jason doesn't. Just having that discussion. <laughs> All right, Brian Weber. What is the best way for product management to impact brand? I think keeping it in mind when you're making product decisions. Guiding principle. Go yep. back to the guiding principle. Use it as a guiding principle. All right, Calvin. Working together to ensure uh, consistent messaging and consistent uh, positioning. Uh, consistent messaging and positioning. Paul Hurowitz. A lot of what other people said, but my my personal answer will, in addition to agreeing with everybody else, is delivering successful products that impacts the company's brand, that impact the brand in a positive way, delivering on the brand's vision. Okay. May. That was exactly what I was going to say. It deliver great products. Like, if if you're shipping great things and people are talking about it, like inspire people, create a forum for people to talk about your products, then that's the best way to impact brand, right? Yeah. Jason, I think just like every individual and in organization, be a good representation of the brand. Okay. Be yourself. Be a good representation of the brand. Always be selling. I like it. Everybody's a salesperson. That's what Daniel Pink tells us. My partner, Steve. I'm going to say ditto to Brian, Paul, and May. It's the guiding principle. All right. And I've had to pivot a couple because people stole mine and I'm not going to just do ditto. I'm going to go back to our what is a product conversation. Remember that the product, like the brand, is every experience they have with you from the first touch to the sale to post-sale. And think about that it's not just the product, it's the process and the workflow. And all of that stuff has to be factored in because that, that, those are all things that it can impact, impact your brand. You can have the best product, but if our service is bad, if our sales process is bad, if we're, our support people are bad, it all impacts the brand when it all impacts the success of our product. So I wanna go again. So <laughs> branding, it's not just for marketing anymore. Wow, that's a good one. I think that's a white paper or a blog we need to write. 
Branding is the promises that you make. The brand is the promises that you keep. I'm going to frame this. We like it. I like it. Guys, this has been a great, a great conversation as always. Uh, You know, every time we do this, I learn. I was was listening to a couple older ones this morning and I'm like, every one at the end, I'm going, oh my God, what a great conversation. I changed my mind. I learned. And I'd like to thank our panelists today, Glenn, Brian, Calvin, Paul, May, Jason, and, and my partner, Steve. We do this every week in the community. Uh, Monday, the question goes out. Wednesday, I put the poll out. Sometimes they're better and sometimes they're worse. And Friday, we have these incredible conversations. So I'd like to thank each and every one of you for this incredible conversation on product and brand and how they work together. They're interconnected. And tell everybody, have a great weekend. Thanks, you guys. See you guys next year, next week, not next year, in the community. Hey. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.